I had a new experience a couple weeks ago. I had tears in my eyes twice during the sermon. The sermon was on giving. Let me go back so you understand. I was an addict for about 30 years, which means all I was was a taker. Well, I got myself into some legal problems and was facing some prison time, and so I decided to check myself into a faith-based program so I looked good for court. I had no intentions of changing my life. Well, God had other plans for me and delivered me from the desire to use and just took it away. Well, it took me quite a while to get back on track with money, and every week I'd come in and pay my rent, and the girl there would ask me if I wanted to tithe anything. Well, I couldn't have tithe anything. I had my car all gassed up, and money in my pocket, and my phone on, and all the rest of the money in my pocket was mine. How could I give that away? Finally, one week, I turned back around, went back in the office, and gave her $20. And the smile on her face, I'll never forget. And I knew then that was the thing to do. And every time I give, that's the closest I am to God. Every time. 10% is a, a good guideline for people that don't understand. But I definitely have an understanding of giving through God. And to give is just the best thing there ever was in my life. And to conclude it all, I never spent a night in jail. The insulation company I still work for from time to time, and that was 10 years ago. Oh, and all the people in the office at the insulation company are Christians. Imagine that. Amen. Amen. Best thing that happened in this life. Thank you, Jim Glacken. Is when I started giving. We're in a series called The Blessed Life. This morning I've titled the message called The Blessing. Anybody interested hearing about it? Uh, I want to take you to a couple of scriptures. We're in a series, and uh, for those who are guests and visitors here today, uh, called The Blessed Life. We want to let you know that God really does want to bless your life. And uh, I'm going to describe what that looks like. What is it? And uh, I want to take you to a scripture, uh, to Acts chapter 20, and I want to kind of just build some context to this statement that's going to be read. It's there in your bulletin. In fact, it's our memory verse. And many of you know this already by heart. In fact, it's a really easy one to memorize. We want to encourage you to take this memory verse, put it on your ring, and, and, and to put it to memory, and not only just put it to memory, but to put it in your heart. Because the Bible says God doesn't want His Word just to get into our head. He wants it to settle into our heart because He knows if it gets into our heart, it will change our attitudes, it will change our actions, and it will literally change our life. Here in Acts chapter 20, Paul the Apostle uh, is coming to the end of his life. He's getting ready. He's up north and he's heading south down to Jerusalem. And he had been very close to this church uh, in a region of Ephesus. And he's with the leaders and he's with the people. And he's getting ready and he's saying his goodbye. And it's a very emotional moment. And it talks about where they're there on, on the beach and they kneel down. They're hugging each other. And he says some very profound words. And his very last statement to them is this, which is found in verse 35. 
And he says this to them. And I find it very interesting. The last thing that you're going to say, what we're going to talk about here this morning, he says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Has anybody ever heard that before? Okay, most of us have heard that before. It is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to give than to receive. Now let's say that together here. It is more what? Blessed to give than to receive. Now where's the address? Where's it found at? Acts chapter what? Verse what? Okay. It is more what? To what? To give. Then to what? Then to receive. Okay. Now with that being said, it's not here in your notes, but I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. I want you to go to a couple scriptures. In fact, our main scriptures that we're going to be looking at here uh, is going to be Luke chapter 19. Okay. I want you to get your finger there and, and maybe put a bookmark there right there. But before we get there, before we read that, I want you to go to Romans, not Romans, yeah, Romans chapter 12 with me. And I want you to look at Romans, this verse, a couple of verses here, through the lens of giving and finances. Okay? I want you to see, we're going to read the first couple of verses. And the reason why we're going to read this here, because we're going to be talking about money, we're going to be talking about things, and when, when, when people start hearing uh, sermons when it talks about money, when it talks about uh, finances and things, people get wigged out. People get really bothered. I mean, uh, there's people that really get their, their feathers ruffled. And, uh, and I want to just, for those, all of a sudden, he's getting ready to go ahead and talk to me about money and finances. And all of a sudden, there's something going on inside of you. Okay, you're like, oh man, I, I don't know if I really want to hear this. Because here's the reality of what happens. I've watched, okay, by the way, in case those who are new here, we, I think in the years that we've done sermons on specifically on giving, talking about money and those things, I can t- speak of two series that I've done. I did one last year in 2013, spoke two messages on that, and it was about seven years prior to that where we devoted some very specific time and energy and effort towards that talk. And uh, last year, we, I, I mean, I watched, literally, I remember in the first service at the 830 church, there were three people that walked out. And, and I was just sharing what the Word says, okay, what the Bible says about finances and about money. And, uh, and by the way, and if some of you are like this, like, ah, oh, man, he's going to be talking about me. Uh, let me ask you this question. When you're watching TV and the commercials are on, okay, and they're wanting you to buy, their, that's what commercials are, are about, right? They're wanting you to buy their product, uh, do something what they're suggesting. Do you get ruffled? Do you get up, uh, you know, uh, and throw the, the clicker, the remote control against the wall? I can't believe that these commercials are going on. I mean, what are they doing? They're trying to separate you from your money. Okay, now, we're, we're talking here about God's kingdom. We're talking about the one who gave his life for you, okay? The one who went on the cross. And so, I want you to see something right here. In Romans chapter 12, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, 
in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies, okay, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. When it talks about offering your bodies, he's talking about offering not just this physical body, but he's offering your whole life, everything to God, everything, everything you can think of. He says, I want you to totally just offer to God. God, I give you everything about me, which includes our finances, which includes our time, which includes our relationships, everything. God wants... God wants to be involved in all of it. He wants to be the Lord of that. He says, And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God is wanting our minds renewed in the area. I'm telling you, you're going to see there because there's so much in the Bible that's written about money and about finances. And so we're going to be taking a peek at that here this morning. We're going to ask that God just renews our mind to the area of giving. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, when I've read this verse through the years, uh, a lot of times there was, I mean, there was some guilt because I was receiving some things. And, and I, as I was reading it, I, I, and I found out as I've been meditating on this verse, do you know what? There's nothing wrong with receiving, okay? We're, I mean, I think all of us have been beneficiaries of receiving something really good in our lives, okay? We're here, most of us are here for a reason. We receive something, and we're here because of that reason. All of us here in this room have received forgiveness from the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean, has there been, I mean, in terms of a blessing? I mean, it's blessed to go ahead and receive. Uh, not only to be forgiven and the sins, I mean, clean before the Lord, but we've been adopted into His family. Okay, we have a daddy in heaven. We're brothers and sisters. We're part of the greatest family here on earth. You may have come from a dysfunctional family, but I want to tell you, God's family, okay, and His sons and daughters, when they love Him and love one another, it's absolutely wonderful. So, I mean, I've been blessed. I mean, forgiveness. I'm in his family. I mean, my life changed forever 35 years ago. But awesome, uh, wonderful privileges. I, I thank God for that I received a, a, one, a biological family. My parents who are here today uh, and support me and pray for me and give and sacrifice through the years. I, I thank God for that. And God gave me a wonderful wife uh, 29 years ago. And we're going on 30 this coming August, man. And we're celebrating that. And, uh, and I thank the Lord for it. It's been a good 29 years. We, we've had some challenges, but it's been good. There's been some great times. And I, and I want to say thank you, Lord. I mean, it, it's been awesome. And by the way, just some of you say, well, you're a pastor, you know, and, and of course you're going to have a good marriage. No, 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 no. Can I just tell you this? There's a lot of pastors and wives that their relationship, they're struggling, okay? Pastors and, and their wife, and there's some, in fact, there's pastors and what they've gone through divorce, tragically. And uh, so we, we, June and I have never taken for granted our relationship. We work hard on it. We, we, we guard it and, and we've invested into one another. And I thank the Lord. And then we've been blessed with God gave us six of our own biological children, five girls, one boy. And, uh, and every one of those blessings that came along, I mean, just literally changed their life. And then a year and a half ago, we, God gave us the privilege of being able to adopt two more boys from, from China. So I want to tell you something. We are super blessed. The Rarics have been blessed. And I think of some of the stuff 
that we have received. I mean, June, I mean, as a youth pastor, uh, we were a youth pastor our first seven, eight years. I'm going to tell you, I did, did not have a vision or any hope of ever having a home. Uh, I mean, just renting for the rest of my life. I mean, it was just like, you know, here we're just, I mean, we were paying our tithe. We, we give towards missions, but we, we never saw ever an opportunity where we would be able to have our home someday. And then here we, 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 we move from this little town where we have been youth pastors. God was blessed in there. We moved to the inner city of Chicago. We started up a church right there. We had no health insurance. June gets pregnant with my son, Michael. And we're, we're I mean, this is like, all right, how are we going to go ahead and do this? I mean, we're starting a church right there from scratch. Got to take care of, uh, you know, three little girls and then a boy that's coming along. And how do we do all this? And right there in the midst of all of this, uh, no insurance, whatever, God just brings a blessing. And we're able to go ahead and purchase our first home. We, we bought this, I think it was probably about, what about, what was, back at, how, how old was the home? Okay, about 70 years old, and it was a it was a two flat, and uh, we lived upstairs, and we rented the downstairs. The upstairs was 700 square feet. It was two bedrooms. Okay, it was tight, but it was right. I mean, it, it was tight. We were we were. It was just a wonderful place, and uh, we were renovating it, and uh, and it it was just awesome. And and just through the years, we've watched how. God in his love, and nothing because of us, but because of his goodness and his mercy, we've received so much for him. And, 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 but probably the biggest motivator for, for both my wife and I, we recognized before we came to Christ who we were, and now we recognize who we are because of him. But the Bible says here, and I want you to go back to this word, this word blessed, okay? The Greek word is makarios. It means happy, fortunate, to be envied. So the Bible says it's really cool to be blessed, to go ahead and to be a good receiver. In fact, we're going to be talking about this. God wants you to become a good re- giver, but some of you are going to have to learn and how to become a good receiver. And I'm going to, God's going to show some of you right now, here today, you're not very good at receiving. And those who've learned how to receive well and, and receive from God become the best givers. And the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Jesus says you will be happier if you learn to give. My, my young people, those who are teenagers, okay, those who are struggling through these difficult years of life, those who are going through difficult moments with your parents, I want you to hear this. Okay, you want to be happy. Okay, I want you to get this truth here. God wants you to get this. God says you will be happier, okay, when you become a giver. And a lot of times in the relationships between a teenager and parents, it's one-sided. It's, it, it's the parents or the parent who's the giver, and it's one that's the taker. But I promise you, watch your relationship change with your parents instead of you just looking for them to go ahead and take care of you. All of a sudden, get your eyes off of yourself and begin to think with them in mind and recognize that they're people as well, that your parents have needs, okay? 
And God can use you to go ahead and be a blessing to them. And I promise you, when you learn to begin to give to your parents, I watch what begins to happen and how the how your relationship will, will change if you learn to become a giver towards your parents. There's no question about it. I've seen it happen many a times. So here's what I've, I've been I've been seeing when when I, when I'm getting when I've been just meditating on this verse. The, write this down. The blessed life. It's not about stuff. The blessed life is not about getting more stuff. It's not about getting more goods, more material things. And, and here's the other thing. It's not about giving to get. If you are giving to get, you've missed the purpose of giving. Okay? But here it is. It's about giving to give. It's when you develop the attitude of generosity without strings attached. It's in that place when we all of a sudden start just to give, no strings attached. And it's when we do that, that's when we become like Jesus. We become like the Lord. And as we were listening to Jim's testimony, he says, man, I, I never feel closer to God than when I'm giving. And I'm telling you something, when you really begin to really give, not for a pat on the back, uh, but you just really want to be a blessing. You want to help people. You want to just sow whatever. There's something that begins to happen on the inside. And I want to take you to a story that illustrates that point right here in Luke chapter 19. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, the head of the IRS. Okay, in, in, in the region. And he had become very rich, how? By che- cheating people, ripping them off. It says, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down, and I must be a guest in your home today. It was that statement right there is just loaded, is what changed his life. Zacchaeus, come on down. I've got to come to your house. And it says he quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house In great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Look, Lord, in some translations, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Okay, Lord. And and if I've cheated any people out of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that who are lost. Two statements that jump off here at the text. You can write these down. Number one, I want you to underline that word wealth. Wealth represents property, possessions, okay? Land and property and possessions. And what's happening right here? He says, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and give half of my wealth 
to the poor. He gets a revelation. He gets a kingdom principle right here. Literally, he's practicing Acts chapter 20, verse 35, when, when Paul is encouraging the believers and, and the leadership right there. He says, man, I want you to be thinking about the poor. Okay? God has a whole lot to say about the poor there in the Bible. I mean, Bible says when we lend to the poor, we lend to God. And so when we're thinking about poor people, and, and, and guys, I just want to say to those who are involved in our ministry on Thursdays, who give of themselves to benevolence, uh, I, I want to just say who just serve in that way. God is so pleased with that. And for those who are writing generous checks, those who are giving towards that, I want to say, man, kudos. God, God's smiling upon that. I mean, that is, that is, uh, that is good seed. That is a great investment there, right there. And he says right here, uh, he says, God, I, I, Lord, I'm going to give half of my wealth to the, to the poor. So he's, he's practicing right here. And then he says right here, which is really an amazing statement, he says, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give back four times as much. And how many have ever heard the statement called repent? The Bible said repent and believe. This is probably one of the greatest examples of what repentance looks like. It's not just saying something like, Lord, I'm sorry. It's, Lord, I'm sorry, and it's backing it up with action. So here there's two things going on in this story. We see the, the, uh, the action of giving, but we'll also we're going to see the attitude uh, of giving. And so we're going to look here at that here this morning. Two points here today. We're going to look at, first of all, you can fill in the blank, called the action of giving. If I was asking you this question, which I will, what is the main, if there was a word to pick out in the Bible, what is the word that you would describe the main action verb in the Bible? Is it giving or is it love? Now, I would have, I would have thought, you know, when you look from, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, okay, thinking love, but when you really look at it and you see the references, it is absolutely love. It's the most popular uh, word right there in the Bible. In fact, the most popular verse in the Bible is backed up by the word give. John 3.16, most popular verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world so much that He what? His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. So we know that God is a giver. So I want you to underline that word gave. Okay, it, That is the action word of the Bible. Let me give you the proof of that. We're here today. Why? Because God gave His Son. A little bit more specifically, we're here today because Jesus gave His life. Okay? Let me go a little bit further. We're here today because we gave our life to Jesus. Right? We're here today, even one more step. We, we took an hour out of our sleep. We didn't listen to our flesh and lay in bed. We said, I'm coming here. We're here today because we're giving of our time to honor God in our worship and giving to one another. So the Bible is filled, I mean, with giving. And God is a giver. Jesus is a giver. And His people who love Him, okay, give back in return. Not because they owe God, because they just want to, because God has been so extravagant and generous towards them. And the response of His kids, 
God, we just love you so much. We want to do the same in return. Healthy relationships. Healthy, healthy relationships are about giving. The story behind a successful marriage is about not one giver, but about two givers. The reason why you got engaged, okay, the reason why he asked you to marry him is because there was something, not only because you were a beautiful lady, but there was something, you were a giver. And, uh, and you were meeting needs and you were filling him up. And, and, and you in return, I mean, you, the reason why she's saying yes is because you're a giver as well. You're just pouring into her life. But the problem, what happens in most marriages after the bloom wears off and, and the honeymoon is over, then the real work sets in. Will I continue to be a giver? Will I, will I do what got me there? And that's where most of us, we just settle. And, and if you want to make it, okay, and, and, and die at a ripe old age, what gray hair is, is you make a decision, I'm going to be a giver, okay, towards my spouse the rest of my life, okay, just like I gave to her when we got married, okay? So let's look at a scripture here, Matthew chapter 6, okay? We give. okay? We give generously, and also we give our money and of our wealth, and our possessions, they're part of it. And let's look at that here, right here, where Jesus talks about this in Matthew six nineteen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A couple things about this verse. By the way, the Bible is not anti-saving up, okay? In fact, there's plenty of principles in the Bible that we save up for a rainy day, okay? That we want to have extra right there, okay, for, for those moments. But Jesus is, is addressing a couple of issues concerning finances and possessions. I want you to underline that word treasures, which represents riches. And I want you to notice, okay, also, I want you to underline that word yourselves. Now, I'm going to ask you a question here. This question right here is not designed to make you feel guilty, not designed to make you feel bad, not, not to put any kind of a guilt trip here, but I want to ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Where is most of your treasure? Where do you put most of your treasure into? Is it your home? Is it your car? Stocks? Property? A particular hobby? Okay. Now, according not to me, but according to Jesus, he says, your heart, okay, okay, this is where your heart is. If you are putting your, it's all there into your mortgage, all there into your car. Jesus says, that's where your heart is. So where your heart is, is where your treasure will be. Now, Jesus says, okay, he says, look at your, look at your heart and look at your treasure here. He says, your heart follows your treasure. Now, one of the things that we talk about here, what we're serious about is missions. God, I mean, when you look at, at Matthew chapter 28, he wants us to go into all the world to make disciples. Mark chapter 16, go and, and preach the gospel to, to the whole world. That, that mandate is not just on me, it's on all of us. 
How do we do that? And, and, and we, a big principle, we believe in missions. We believe in, in, in sending people, giving money towards mission, giving of our resources. And there's been a lot of people, you know, they may give of their tithe, but they say, you know what, I just really don't feel like I, I have a heart to giving towards missions. And because you don't feel it, you don't give. And I understand that. But let me, but I, but you would maybe like to. Can I suggest how you do that? First of all, don't be led by what you feel. Okay. Now, for those who are, who are, who have been wise, who are smart and prudent with your money, there are people here who have invested into the stock market and things like that. And you're pretty savvy. You're pretty good. And here's what happens when, when you've put money into something, here's what you're generally doing. You're, you're interested in it. You're checking the papers. You're looking on the news. You're on the internet. You're checking out. How is, it, is this thing going up? Is it going down? I mean, it's got your interest, right? You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and here's what I want to say to my brothers and sisters who have, who've never given ever towards missions. And I want to encourage you to begin to think that way and to invest that way because you're investing into souls. You're investing into eternity. You're investing into heaven. I would encourage you to begin just by faith to give towards that. And not only give towards it, but to begin to pray for it. I would probably venture to say this. If you're not giving towards missions, I would probably say you probably don't even pray about people who are lost and don't know Jesus in other countries. I, w- I would venture to say you're probably, it's not even on the radar list in terms of prayer. Probably maybe most of your prayer is about you. But I would say if you began to pray that God would open up the doors and send people okay, to other places where the gospel is not being preached right now, into Muslim nations, into Buddhist nations, whatever, when you begin to go ahead and say, God, would you send people there? God, would you send workers there? And God, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to send missionaries. I'm going to give towards these things. Watch what begins to change in your heart. I've seen some major changes in people who didn't really feel it, but all of a sudden started investing through prayer and through their finances, and their heart began to change. They began to think, and they began to get their attention. So here's what we want to do. Jesus says, lay up for yourselves here treasures. He didn't say, send it because we're, we're in need. Okay, we're, we're paving the streets with gold, okay? And we need to get a couple more gold bricks down. No, it's already laid out. Heaven is loaded, okay? Okay, there's plenty of treasure there. Jesus says, lay up for yourself treasures there. Why does he say that? Lay up for yourself treasures there up in heaven. Two reasons. Write this down. Number one. Everything that we have here on earth, everything is temporary. You can't take it with you. There is no U-Hauls that follow the hearse, okay? Number two, we will need treasure in heaven. In heaven, we will have responsibility. There will be responsibilities. Many people just thinking of heaven. You're on the cloud just kind of floating around. No, there's going to be something going on. There's going to be responsibilities and resources. And, and will we have any to live on in eternity? So I want you to think about that. Jesus says, put your treasure into heaven. Think eternally. So that is the attitude. Uh, not that, I mean, that is the action is giving. But let's look at the attitude behind giving. I want you to look at how Zacchaeus, how excited he was when Jesus uh, made the statement, Hey, Zach, I'm coming to your place. 
I want to come over. Come on now. Get down out of the tree. And look at what it says here in verse 6. It's a, it says he quickly, not slowly, but quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in what? In great excitement and joy. I mean, he, he can't believe he's just received an invitation to go ahead and bring the Messiah to his home. Now, the best way that you can really understand why he's climbing down quick and he's super excited comes here for what I believe from Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. And it says this, Freely you have received, freely give. How many receive forgiveness free here today? How many, how, freely as you've received forgiveness, freely give forgiveness. Freely as you've received blessings, freely give blessings. I want you to look at how, how, how happy he is, okay? In the NIV, he says, look, Lord, I want you to see, Lord, I, he is so excited about what he's about to give. Has anybody ever been around people? I mean, they like to buy gifts and they like to give away things and they get so excited that sometimes they give it away early or they tell. Okay. They're so, they're so, he can't, they just can't wait. They just can't hold on. There's something to say, I got to tell you now. Okay. My father-in-law is like that. I mean, he's, he, he's an awesome giver, but he just, he cannot hold on. Okay. And here, the reason why he was given so joyfully is because, let's write this down, because Zacchaeus received joyfully. I want you to see the statement here on your screen. This is, we're going to chew on this and take this apart here a little bit. Joyful, thankful receivers are joy-filled givers. And I put that statement together very carefully. I know people that are givers, but not necessarily joy-filled givers. And I want to also come here to a statement. There are people here in this room, when it comes to when you look at your economic picture, what you make, what comes in, I mean, you would maybe be considered, uh, according you know, to demographics, you know, there's the upper, middle, and lower class. Maybe you're in the lower class in terms of, of what you make, okay? And, and you're thinking, man, uh, these rich folks here at Calvary, been, I hope they get a picture of this. Can I just tell you something? This message is for you as well. Can I tell you some of the most generous, uh, grateful people that I know are people that are loaded. I mean, who love God and are generous with their resources, generous with their time and givers. And, but I've also met people that, that are loaded, that are tightwads and, 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 and mean or whatever. And I've also met some people who are, who are, who are of the lower class and they don't have two nickels together, but they'll give you the shirt off of the back. And I've also met poor folks who are tightwads and stingy. So this is, a, this is a heart issue. And I want you to see here this morning that, that thankful receivers are joy-filled givers. They, they love to give. In fact, a lot of, they're giving most of the time when they give, there's really not strings attached to it. And the fact of the, of the matter is most of us here in this room struggle in the area of truly being able to give without strings attached. Okay? Now, let me give you an example here this morning. I guarantee you this. If I, uh, I don't have my wallet here, but if I have my wallet and I pulled a $50 bill out and I gave, okay, I gave Miss Mary here a $50 bill. Okay, here, I'm going to give this to you. Uh, I, 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 she wonder, what's the catch? What's up with that? You know, what, you know, what, what do I got to do now? Okay, or I gave, just imagine I gave you a $50 bill. 
Okay, hey, God bless you. Enjoy. Go buy lunch. You know, go go buy a dress. Go get you know, go golf or whatever. And, and, I mean, you would all of a sudden there'd be something inside of you. It, it's like, you know, wait, wait no, yeah. Uh, and, and there's people here in this room that have tried to bless you, tried to give you something. Here's what you've been like. You're like this. Uh, I'm not so sure about this. You're not comfortable receiving. Can I tell you this? The people who are not comfortable at receiving sometimes have a real difficulty of giving away freely. The reason why is because a lot of times when we receive something, we think we got to go ahead and we got to pay back. But the people that learn to just receive and say, oh my gosh, thank you so much, I have found they have become the most generous, joyful givers I've ever been around. Because it's those who are not good receivers feel like, well, I've just got to work this up. And, And then because I earned it, because I've worked for it, I really worked really hard for this, I put a whole bunch of effort in this, then i got to go ahead and then I feel it's mine. And then we get our arms around it, we get our, our hands around it, and it's hard to let go of it. We feel, like, we feel like we have to protect it and hold on to it. And by the way, there's nothing against working hard and giving our very best. It's called stewardship. I believe God's people, this is a word for some people in here. There are people here in this room, you are working for, for uh, you have a boss, and your attitude and your actions do not speak well. You're lazy, you show up late, your attitude, you talk, whatever. And I want to tell you something, you're a bad testimony. God's people should be the very best workers on planet Earth. They, when they come, when, they, when, when it's an eight-hour workday and, you and your employer is giving you a paycheck, uh, you are a paycheck maker, okay, not a paycheck taker. And God has called you I mean, and, and, and to do the very best. And, and, and there's people in here that are in a place of like, well, I just got, if I work at this really hard and I give all the effort, then it's going to really happen. Can I just tell you something? You can work until the, the land as hard as you can possibly do. But if God doesn't send rain on the, on the land, it's not blessed. And so we recognize that God's given us the ideas. He's given us the strength. He's given us the energy. And so we recognize that it all comes from Him. Any good gift, the Bible talks about in James, any good and perfect gift, it comes down from the Father of lights. The, just the ability to make money and have wealth. The Bible is very clear in Deuteronomy that He gives us the ability to make wealth. So we just come back and we say, Lord, you have been so good to me. God, you've given me this strength. You've given me these ideas. Lord, I just give it back to you, Lord, because I love you. Amen? So uh, the reason I've been preaching on, on giving here, folks, is not because the church is short, not because we need it, because I believe that, that if God's people get a revelation of what it truly means to give without strings attached, of, of our resources, it will help you. I want to take you to Second Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. This chapter right here is about giving. And I want to give you some context right here, what's happening with the Corinthian church. It was a pretty awesome church. Signs and wonders, miracles were normal. Okay, it was deliverance. I mean, God was moving in a powerful way. But there were a number of issues and things that were going on. 
And Paul is going to address an issue with finances and giving. And what was happening, the Jerusalem church, okay, the church in Jerusalem, that particular region was going through a major difficult time. The people, the brothers and sisters, I mean, they were going through crop failure. There was a drought. There was a major need. And Paul the Apostle sounds the alarm and he tells the Gentile churches, he says, listen, our brothers and sisters, they're in Jerusalem. They need help. Let's go ahead and send our financial resources and be a blessing to them. So he sounds the bell to a number of different churches. And, and the Corinthian church and, and the believer says, hey, we're in. We're going to go ahead and bless our brothers. We're going to pray for them and we're going to give towards them. So basically, they made a financial commitment that they were going to go ahead and help out the Jerusalem church. Okay, so he's addressing a problem right here. And then Paul says, you know what? You're not supporting the work that you promised that you were going to do. You made a commitment that you're going to give, but now you're not doing it. Their excuse basically was this. Hey, Paul, we're in a recession right now. We're not in a position that we really can give. And then Paul uh, says something amazing. He writes back, he says, there's a church that's in a greater recession than you are, yet they're giving freely. And I want you to see this is one of the most amazing uh, stories right here. Second Corinthians chapter 8. He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So this is another area, the Macedonia churches. Something powerful was really going on. He says, they are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So here they have joy in their life. And the joy of the Lord, by the way, is our strength. So God had just done a wonderful work in their hearts. And they've become very generous. Look at what happened. He says, I could testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it on their own free will. Okay, they begged us okay, again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Okay, here it is. He's given context. He said no one had to do any arm twisting, no guilty headlocks uh, on him, uh, no, no preachers manipulating, give, you know, and, and, and doing this. They, they said, you know, they want to give. And it says, I want you to look at this word here. It says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing. I want you to see that statement right there. They saw giving not as a duty, but as a privilege. Say privilege. This is what we need to get our minds renewed to. A lot of times we think, well, uh, the church is talking about money. No, giving is a privilege. It is an honor. It's an expression of our love for brothers and sisters and love for God's people and love for God Himself. It says, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, here's where they were really doing well, in faith, Okay, prophecy or gifted speakers, knowledge, your enthusiasm, enthusiasm, and your love from us. I also want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. 
I want to say to my brothers and sisters, as I come here to a close, and we're going to pray here in just a moment. Here is a church that saw giving as a privilege. They were saying, they were saying we are in, in the midst of, of a major recession, in the midst of poverty. And they said, we want to give as much as we possibly can. And folks, I say this to all of you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why they were in that position. God was blessing them. Okay, were they, were they getting things back in return when it came to money? Well, we don't know. Okay, but there was something that was happening on the inside of them that, that God was just blessing them with at least His presence and the blessing of His peace and joy. This is where the Christian life really becomes fun. When we begin to think and say, Lord, who can I give to today of my time, of my talent, of my resources? I want you to begin. I, this, is, this is some of us aren't even there. And today, I want you to come with us. I want you to come with me and begin to pray this prayer. Say, God, I want to excel in the grace of giving. Some of you are poor folks and say, I, I can't do that. The Macedonia church was doing it. Okay? You can as well. Starts with the tithe. We're going to talk about that coming next week. You're, you're, and you're going to see how when you let God get involved in this area of your life, and you mean it and say, God, I want to become a giver. Because see what happens? When you become a giver, you become like Jesus. And that's who we're, that's who we're going after, right? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. With your eyes closed, Head bowed for just a moment. What did the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning about? What did He say to you? What did, what did, what did He nudge you on? What, what scripture, what verse, what saying did, did, did He grab a hold of you and you say, I, I want to do a work here in your heart in this area. And I want you just right now, I want you to just to begin to pray about this. Don't just be a hearer of God's Word, but be a doer. And you started off by saying, God, would you just begin to help me? Would you give me the grace to change in this area? And so, Father, I ask in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to believe the truth. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And Lord, we pray, we want to become like your son, Jesus. He was the greatest giver of all. So, Lord, we're asking you to renew our minds and our way of thinking when it comes to money, when it comes to possessions, when it comes to things. God, we pray, Lord, that they would not own us. We pray, God, it would not control us. Lord, it's our desire to be the most generous givers. Lord, we want the blessing of your peace. God, we want to give just to give. Help us, Lord. Help us to become the givers without strings attached. Lord, I confess, Lord, I fail so much in this area. But I believe that you're changing my heart and I believe that you're changing our hearts, Lord, to do that. In your name I pray. Amen.